Blog Talk Radio. Wounded but not broken. With host Patrick Scroggins. As a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot deployed in Iraq, Patrick faced a devastating crash, which resulted in him dying, losing a leg, and a slew of broken bones. Patrick's story of rehabilitation has helped others to overcome their own obstacles. Each week, Patrick recounts stories of inspiration and interviews guests who have overcome remarkable obstacles. This is Wounded But Not Broken with your host, Patrick Scroggins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wounded But Not Broken on another wonderful Monday night. That's that dreadful Monday everybody's getting over. We got through it, and now it's uh, on through the rest of the week. Uh, got a quick story, a funny story to tell. I know everybody that listens knows I'm a big hunter, and I love to hunt. And uh, I say it all the time. It's not about the killing. It's about the experience with friends and family and the sights and sounds that you see. And so this weekend was really uh, – Comical, in my opinion. Uh, not very often can I get my brother and my nephews and everybody together. So my brother Chris, uh, Garrett and Austin, my nephews, and Colin, uh, we went on a hunt in Arkansas. It was a duck hunt for veterans. And uh, uh, Colin was driving a boat, and it was his brother's boat, and the, the motor came off of the boat and sunk in the, in the slough, and we had to go uh, swimming to pick it up. And the whole hunt we didn't fire a shot on the whole hunt, but it was just, that made the trip. It was great, memorable. We all had a great time and uh, giving Colin crap because his uh, brother was going to, going to kill him. So he was, he was scared the entire time, but uh, we got through it. It was fun. And I decided I'd share that with you. But uh, tonight we have a great, a great guest for the show. Very inspirational guy. Uh, Guy's been through a lot, still going through a lot uh, as we all are. And uh, you know, he tackles it day by day and uh, keeps his chin up and, just kind of powers through it, and tonight we have on Brian Meyer. Uh, Brian, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit, get, get started with your story. Uh, for sure, it's an honor to be here. I really appreciate this opportunity. Uh, my name's uh, Brian Meyer. I was a uh, gunnery sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, for the last half of my career, I served in the capacity of an EOT technician, which is basically a military version of a bomb tech. Uh, that was really the defining moment in my career and also continues to be in my life. Um, uh, before that, I was a radar technician and uh, really kind of was just figuring out my life and then was a primary marksmanship instructor. So I had these kind of, you know, skill sets before I became a bomb tech, you know, one being a marksmanship instructor and then one being a, a kind of a technical guy. So, uh, but I uh, found, found bomb disposal and... Uh, it really defined me in a lot of capacities. I really was looking for what bomb disposal was um, as far as like in my military service. So I joined right before uh, 2001. I joined in 2000. And, um, and then, you know, I remember sitting in, in A school um, in Pensacola in, in a radar technician school and uh, 9-11 happened. And, it was like, oh, here we go. We're going to we're going to war, you know. And uh, I got stationed in Hawaii after I got through radar technician school and was trying to get out to Iraq and Afghanistan ever since the get go. And there's just no way for my for my MOS. And uh, bomb disposal was was in big demand, and they had 
Um, they just they welcomed me with open arms, and I got to there. I got basically screened initially, and then they sent me to Niceville, Florida, where I currently reside, which is where um, NAV School EOD is. It's a the Navy school on an Air Force base that all five branches of the military attend to go to basically be qualified as basic EOD technicians, and then we kind of go on to follow-on schools through that. But we sort of we, we share this this common thread, and it's it's a it's a cool thing. So. Uh, and uh, it's also really cool to be living here because I, I still I see the, the bomb disposal guys and the bomb disposal students and you hear the explosions. We're in one of like the biggest test ranges in the in in this area of the country for large ordnance and things like that. So, gotcha. How long fun, is that fun, school? That school, if you can make it through one shot, which few people can do that. A lot of people have to retake a certain division. Um, it's right around nine months, I think. So I think I got it done in about 11. I had to do one division twice. So Yeah, I'm sure that's very physical. intricate and detailed. I'm sure there's a lot of very intricate and detailed. Uh, I mean, when you're disarming bombs and disposing of bombs, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of a, uh, a little bit of a dangerous job, I guess. It's a unique school. Everything's one-on-one. So it's like they're they're watching you. Your, your test, you're not taking a test where you're filling in A, B, and C. It's, you're out on a basically an inert item, and then they're judging you based on how you're conducting yourself, you know, to, like, mitigate the situation. And it's one-on-one, and it's really easy to fail your test and not even know it. So. Right. Um, wow. So, but from there what, what on out – yep, go ahead. No, you do it. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, so graduated that and then got to Japan. I got stationed in Japan initially, and then my first deployment was in 2000. I believe, to, to Iraq, uh, Fallujah, Iraq. It was a really, it was kind of like a tail end of a really hot time and in Iraq. We got, actually got to see a transition from um, the IEDs, the improvised explosive devices, transitioning from a military-grade um, explosive that has sort of been modified to be, be set off by a different means of, op- a, a different means of initiation, if you will, to they were running out of that military ordinance because we were effectively destroying their stockpile to uh, homemade explosives and large jugs filled with, you know, rocket fuel or, you know, whatever they concocted at the time. So it was a really interesting time. And then I saw from everything from very small IEDs, pipe bombs type stuff to, you know, IEDs that are the equivalent that took down um, the Oklahoma City, uh, in the Oklahoma City bombing. So IEDs that were even larger than that bomb. So a vehicle, vehicle-borne IEDs. So um, it's a really good time. I mean, I, I mean, you frame that in the context of you know, as a bomb tech and like you know, being able to take apart like the full spectrum of IEDs. The only thing I never took apart was a, an improvised rocket launcher, and I'm still like, ah, oh, that's the only card I don't have in my hat, you know. Um, but, uh, so what was yeah, it like? Yeah. What was it like on that first IED that you walked up to to disarm or whatever it was? What, I mean, what was going through your mind? I couldn't imagine. So you got you got. So it's interesting that you say walked up on. So the first IED I ever walked up on was never. It wasn't ever, ever in Iraq. So we had robots and awesome vehicles and all sorts of remote means to approach these IEDs. And that that was our first and foremost like goal. It was like we're, we're preserving we're preserving life and protecting property, and we're also doing that by you know remote means. Um, and in Iraq, we had 
phenomenal robots and huge like the, the, the MRAPs and so I didn't I never walked up on an IED until I was on in Afghanistan and in Afghanistan we could not ha- we didn't have the, the ability to drive the vehicles that we had in Iraq because they would just sink to their axles it was all farmland um, we all were, were were basically you know walking around everywhere with whatever we could carry on our backs for basically a day potentially a day and a half. Because sometimes we got stuck out there and we had to spend the night somewhere um, one time. But uh, um, so the first time I ever walked up on one, that, you know, you know, it's super exciting, honestly. It's like you've heard these stories from your friends. They're all bomb techs. They've come before you, your mentors. And then when it actually happens to you, you realize, you know, it's sort of like you've won the you've, – you've walked this – this uh, this rite of passage, and, t- and today is your gift. Do you know what I mean? And it's like yeah, right, right. You, yeah, so so it's super you special, check man. Block, I'll never right? forget it. Well, you don't have to, and you know that's like one of the things too, man. Like a lot of guys. Well, you want to. You want to. You want to be you want to be tested, but at the same time, watch out what you wish for, right? Because it's like you know you <laughs> might real, find that yeah, idea at a different capacity. You know what I mean? So. You know, you're you're careful about that kind of thing. You you, you know, there's there's places yeah. you could definitely go to find bombs, and there's you have no reason to go there. So why are you going to go there? So, but anyway, right. uh, uh, sorry to make uh, you jump forward. Yeah. So go back to Iraq and finish yeah. that up. Did you have any exciting things there, or did anything really pop out, or was it was it just kind of standard? And well, I mean, you said you came down there on like a no, nothing standard about Iraq. Actually, so I had sort of a uh, uh, in Yoditech's, um dream in, in Iraq, I had a phenomenal leader. I was not uh, a, a team leader at the time. I was just a robot operator initially, and then I became a, a, like a demo guy. And that was sort of our two positions before you became um, a team leader. And a team leader, you basically have two to three man teams in, in EOD, and you get farmed out to all these different units. So I had a I had a really amazing tour. I had an amazing uh, mentor. Uh, you know, um, so from there, though, I was slotted for a team leadership, and then I was a team leader, and my first uh, deployment to Iraq, I was a team leader, was super quiet, nothing there, really doing a lot of disposals and whatnot, but still had a great experience, actually sort of like a, I don't know, almost like I had training wheels, you know what I mean, where it was like the, the working environment was very conducive to um, a new leader, so I was really fortunate there. And then I got deployed um, October 2010 to Afghanistan, and that was like game on. I had actually, through the training package, requested to my uh, commanding officer that was going to be commanding me out there in Afghanistan that because he was witnessing all of our training, I was like, sir, if I have the opportunity to be in like that really dangerous area, and you need to pick a guy for that. Like I'm telling you right now, you can pick me if you think you know. I can. I'm. I'm proving myself in training. You know what I mean? Like, don't hesitate. I'm being like, well, Brian asked for it, so I'm gonna give it to him. So, um, I had a good conversation with him actually over a practice IED about that, and I could tell. You know, he was like, oh, I'm gonna. You know, all right, oh, all right, Brian. Uh, noted. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> And I got to I got I got to go to Sang in Afghanistan when uh, I was initially was on a forward operating base no lay 
and I was taken over for the Brits. The, the, the brace was to being taken over from them. And the Brits affectionately called no lay, no legs. Uh, and that was, that was the standard deal. So the bombs in the area would take your legs off. And, uh, it was always funny because uh, I'd watch guys be working out, you know, and I was like, is it legs day, boy? Because I was like, to be walking out there, I was like, I would skip legs the entire deployment, you know. It's like, you might as well just work upper body. So it's like, if you get your legs blown off, it's like complete waste of time, boys. So, and that was so funny because I did meet a lot of guys. They would laugh as they were doing their squats and be like, shut the hell up, doing their squats. And then later on, I'd, I'd see them and I'd, they're both the legs were gone. And I was like, ah, I told you so, you know. And they were like, oh, you goofy son of a gun. Oh, you did get me. So, <laughs> I bet that's what they A lot said. of us. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot of unique humans. So. But uh, yeah. Afghanistan was by far my favorite deployment, even though that's where I eventually was wounded. Um, March um, 2011, um, March 14, 2011, I was taken apart in IED. And because we, we didn't have the robots and things like that we had in Iraq, I was taken apart. We utilized hook and line techniques and without getting into the, you know, super technical aspects of it. I mean, it's just basically a rope with like seatbelt cutters and clamps and things like that. And you basically are, whatever you're doing, if you're cutting a wire, you're trying to re- remotely remove something from its emplacement, basically, is the name of the game. So I was remotely removing this bomb from its emplacement. And we're close enough, and you operate in a minefield where we were in Afghanistan. So we're always on a clear path. You know, we're not wandering around. We're trying to minimize our footprint. And where we were... We couldn't, didn't have a whole lot of cover, so we were down low. So it was like I had like 100, line, 100 yards of line, and we would all get down low and just like start pulling, like everybody be aware of what was going on. Because a number of times in Afghanistan before this point, stuff had blown up at the end of my line. Or it was like, the boys, this may go off, and then we're just pulling, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, we get rocked. So, and then in one instance, it was, there was just, a big, it was basically booby trap these things, basically is what I'm getting at. So in this gotcha. instance, you know, no big explosion goes off. We're all like, okay, cool. Um, I go back down there. It looks like this bomb has basically been pulled out of its emplacement. It's fallen back down. And then when I go to grab it, it, it goes off. And it results in the amputation of my right hand, um, my right leg above the knee, and then initially just my thumb index and then breaks the crap out of my middle finger. But later on, they revised the, the amputation to include my middle finger. So I just basically have my pinky, my ring finger on my on my strong hand, I call it, you know, on my left side. And then I got a, I got a strong leg because I was on my knee, and this leg was basically under me when that bomb went off. So, um, you know, all things being considered, I mean, especially being a guy who conducted a lot of the post-blast analysis, um, I thought, you know, I'd lost all four limbs. I couldn't assess myself. I was very much awake. Um, I remember a lot. In fact, as I hang out with the buddies that were there that, you know, were putting up tourniquets on and hanging, I was on my team at the time, you know, it, the, 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 the memories get a lot more vivid, but, you know, when I'm away from them, it's like, oh, the, the you know, the volume right. turned down a little bit. So, yeah, obviously, I, mean, they, I remember. They probably. They probably kind of help yeah. you fill in the, the blanks, right? The stuff that you don't remember. Well, they just. Well, they just were uh, in a completely different headspace, too, right? So I was like, well, yeah, uh, yeah, for I'm sure. shock, like, bleeding out and shit, whereas they were 
you know, oh, my gosh, my team leader just got blown up. And then we had another bomb to take take care of after that. So basically what they were going to do is they were going to put me on the chopper, and then they were going to go take apart another IED before they came home. And we had extensive reporting requirements. So it was like, oh, we got to get this, you know, our team leader got blown up. Oh, shit, you know. And it was going to be a couple of days before they could get another guy out in the capacity of leadership. So they were going to be operating on their own. So I was fortunate. Right. It was the – Close to end deployment, so it worked out. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, we're going to take a break here for a uh, word from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to hear the uh, the uh, after aftermath of this blast a little bit more in detail. And uh, but here's a word from our sponsors. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at a... You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Window Bit Not Broken. Apologize for the uh, the uh, sponsor package being messed up there a little bit. We will uh, fix that. And we are here with Brian Meyer, and uh, he was talking about uh, he he had just gotten blown up. And I just have a specific question before it loses slips in my mind. So, Brian, there's a pretty famous picture of you out there after you had gotten blown up with a giant smile on your face. You got to explain that. To yeah. Me. So. We had been experiencing a lot of casualties within my uh, my military occupational specialty, my MOS, specifically the bomb disposal community. Um, a lot of people were getting um, dismembered and uh, were completely, you know, giving the ultimate sacrifice and dying on the battlefield. So, um, and along with that, because those were my brothers, um, you see these guys that, that struggle with the survivor's guilt, you know, like, oh, it should have been me, it should have been them, you know, trying to, like, I don't know. They're not coping well, basically, right? So my idea was, and this was before we even started operating in Afghanistan, was like, hey, boys, you know, I was once again in a team leader capacity. Um, I was like, I got this idea. I was like, if we get blown up, you know, and we do our best 
if the situation permits, don't risk your life, obviously, for a photo. But, uh, you know, being, being situationally aware, you know, if you could take, we'll do our best to take a picture if the situation permits with a big smile on our face of, like, whatever condition we're in, you know, if we get shot, if we get blown up, or whatever. And that would basically be something where later on they get medevaced off the battlefield or if they die even there, you can just look back on that photo and say, hey, you know, they knew what they were getting themselves into or all voluntary, you know, force with inside and, and a voluntary uh, force. You know, we can quit at any time. It was a unique, a unique uh, option within my, within my MOS. And then um, so uh, – that was the whole idea. You know, we'd vindicate, we'd vindicate survivor's guilt because they just, people would be looking back at the photo and be like, ah, goofy, you know, son of a gun. You know, he kind of, he was smiling. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So, um, actually, throughout my deployment in Afghanistan, I was the last guy to be wounded. Um, I had two other team leaders before me be wounded. And then I actually picked up a member of my team that also, his team leader got wounded. So, once again, I was uh, in an extremely, you know, dangerous area where there was a really high turnover rate, um, and uh, you know, we kind of had this 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 uh, little pact. And uh, on it, uh, I've got two other two other team members where I have their we call them happy snaps. Uh, so I got their happy snaps, and then uh, I was the third. I was the third guy. in uh out of the, I think, uh, five-man total that cycled through my team. And then we were a three-man team initially. So, um, but somebody get wounded, we get another guy. But somebody get wounded, we get another guy. So, and then when I got wounded, the guy that took over my platoon, my, my two guys actually gave me one of the best compliments ever, saying, like, man, I didn't have to do anything. Your guys were already good at operating basically on, completely on their own. And I was like, ha-ha, you know, that's, like, the best compliment you can get. As a as a leader, you know, to have your guys be able to, you know, step into your position without any really any problem. Right. So from there on out, um, I I actually have an extremely recovery. Um, so from getting blown up, I am outpatient in San Diego about 30 days later, and um, really never. I have some revisions um, throughout my recovery to, and you know, just to clean some stuff out or whatever. But I never am really impatient again. So I, I recover in about a month, um, and that's basically losing my leg above the knee, my right hand, and my thumb index and middle finger on my left hand. And then you know, back to back to life. Um, gotcha. So about. So in in that recovery process, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, only a month with your injuries because you're you're one below the knee, one above the knee, you're missing an arm, nope, one and a, one of one of one above the knee, I'm missing my right hand and some index and middle finger, and I got a strong a strong right leg. Or I'm sorry, left. Oh, leg, that's good. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But you're so but your left your left hand right is the one that you're missing all the fingers on. Yeah. Yeah. All the important fingers. <laughs> Right. So, but yeah. that, that's a, that's a pretty damn amazing recovery time. A month. I mean, yeah. How many surgeries have you had? No clue, honestly. But I mean, it was kind of a blur. I mean, I was, I had a, I enjoyed my, I mean, 
I was just happy to be there. You know, I was pretty sure I was going to just die on the battlefield before I got wounded, right? So, and I'd been shot before I'd been wounded. So I actually been shot in the, in the plate. So I got shot, and I didn't even get I didn't get a bruise. So it's like, like the perfect, the perfect story. You know what I mean? Where it's like, ah, how lucky am I? Um, but there was actually a thing where it's like guys would get shot in the plate, and then they would get blown up. And then I also fit that scenario. So it was like, oh, maybe I should have paid attention to the prophecy a little closer. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, I forget where I was, but um. But, yeah, super fast recovery, and then one of the things that really focused me on me and my recovery was was hunting, actually. Um, Wounded Warrior Outdoors, um, the founder uh, being Ron Rabu, he had this at the time. It was coming out of um, – it came out of initially Bethesda Walter Reed, and then it was also out of Balboa, um, out of San Diego, California. Um, he was taking guys out on a bear hunt, and I remember people asking me at the hospital because I was a, a fairly decent patient. I had a good attitude, and I was recovering fast, and they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to go on this bear hunt. So I get an opportunity, and coincidentally, on this bear hunt, I was on there uh, with, a, with a good buddy of mine, Matt Amos, um, and we actually were hunting for the biggest bear, and I, I got the biggest bear. I have to admit, I got the buckle on that one. I have to always rub it in Matt's face, you know, that, you know, he could have hunted a little bit better. And, uh, but yeah. I outhunted him, and, uh, he's a waste of hands, because he's got both hands. Granted, he's missing some legs, but, you know. Yeah, it's important I was to remind gonna, people um, when they're a waste of hands. Yeah. I had Matt, I had Matt on the show a few weeks ago. I was gonna... Um, like once I get moved up to Chicago and get settled, I was going to have a bunch of y'all call in and we just have like a round table and talk about Wounded Warrior Outdoors and how great it is and what it does for people. I mean, that would take up, we could probably spend three hours telling some stories on that. I mean, mean, that's how I met you. Oh my gosh. And so. For sure. sure. um, Yeah. Yeah. So Wounded Warrior Outdoors is a phenomenal facet. Just, I want to, I just want to step back a little bit to your recovery process. So like once, once you were out, uh, like your physical therapy, because that had to be. Um, you know, I mean, my physical therapy, I'm, I'm missing a leg and that was pretty extensive enough, um, to get to, you know, being operational again with all the nerve damage and stuff. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, what was your, what was your thought process? What were you at mentally when you started, uh, when you started trying to, trying to get back up on your feet? So, uh, one of the interestingly comforting facets of being a bomb technician is being really familiar with the, I could do the post-blast of a an IED explosion more accurately based on the uh, injuries. They told me, hey, above the knee, below the knee, one above, one below, hand, blah, 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 blah. You know, I could tell easier there, like, what the bomb consisted of and whatnot, as opposed to, like, doing my measurements on the crater or, you know, trying to, like, extrapolate things, right? So, um one of the things was because things were so consistent over there, you basically had these people in a pipeline ahead of you in a strange way of, uh, of recovery. So it was like, man, that guy stepped on the same bomb that you stepped on or was taking apart the same bomb you were taking apart. And he did this in like, well, he did it in whatever, two months, and he was back in his prosthetic and like he was winning golf tournaments. So you coming behind him would be like, well, I'm going to do it in – I'm going to shave a couple of weeks off of that, you know? So you had all of these, like, mentors 
So that was another interesting facet in my recovery was I did I wasn't by myself in any way, shape, or form. Like I was surrounded by by people who were one month out, two months out, three months out, four months out, five, six, seven, eight, all the way out to a year and two years out. So now you could just kind of look ahead and be like, okay, I see where that guy's at. And they said he was good. Well, I'm going to work a little bit harder just so I can beat, I can beat him, you know. And that, that sort of aspect of competition and camaraderie, you know, really focuses you on your recovery. And you get guys that are now recovering in record time because, you know, they can see guys that are just two months out, and they're like, I want to be better than him at two months out. And it's just like, whoa, 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 man. Your stitches aren't even out yet, you know what I mean? And they're still like, they're on fire. You know, they got they have perfect they have perfect purpose in their recovery in a lot of ways. Right, so right. and that's how I was. Where it drops it was a off. Nuisance. Yeah. Oh, go, yeah. Go ahead. Where I just, I, I off, said it was like a... when... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just, just going to say it's like a new sense of motivation for you. I mean – you look down, you see what's gone, you see how bad you're messed up, and it's either, you know, uh, drop down into a sulking hole and get sad and depressed and not live your life to the fullest, or be a man, uh, man up and bust your ass and get tip-top shape and, and go with it, you know, and that's that's kind of how I approach sure. it. But I, I really didn't have anybody with me. but Yeah, that's rough, man. So that's a completely different. That's a completely different animal, in my opinion. So I don't know how I don't know where I would be without you know the continuum of wounded. So I was just basically one little you know person in a lineup. Yeah, I think I think for me, I don't think anybody challenges uh, me more than me. And so I think I'm, I'm always my biggest critic, and I always push myself, and and uh, you know I want to beat myself in a sense. And so uh, it's just easier for me that way. Um, but yeah, so I mean, your recovery is amazing. I can't. Uh, I didn't know that. I mean, that's crazy. Um, so, when, at what point do you think uh, do you think you were functional again? Uh, you know, where you could sustain, go on on your own to day to day life, like dr- driving and basically day to day like hygiene and all that stuff. I probably probably like a five month to five month mark. I was already driving by myself. You know, as a triple amputee, and back to my doing being completely independent now, not nearly as strong as I am today. I'm definitely a lot stronger, but functionally, I'd say five months. Five months. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. I know how strong you are today, and you're strong. You're that strong for a reason. You've been through a lot of shit, even after that. And we'll, we're going to get to that in a little bit. I do have one question for you though. So, like, um, have, have they worked on any kind of technology that will? Uh, uh, Replay, uh, you know, I know you talked about robots, and that's great. You can use them like when you're on hard surfaces. But if you're on foot, have they worked of uh, any kind of technology that you can carry with you that kind of take your hands off the bomb so this won't happen, or is it just something that they can't they can't come up with? No, no, they totally can't come up with it. And it's just a function of uh, you know the the technology trying to meet the demand and the demand shifting. You know, so we had we had man portable robots that were was really the key to the robots you need to have it in my opinion at the time and my my window of operation is limited and and there's a shelf life also on this operational stuff but at the time you know you needed to have a robot that weighed around 120 pounds so when you grabbed on something and backed up you had the weight to be able to pull whatever you needed to pull out of the ground or destroy it you know rip it apart you know 
And then yes. you just you can have a highly functional robot, but if it didn't have the weight that it needed, you know, you were just, you know, ah, you were limited because now you're even like your your charges they weighed. So you, we would bring charges down to IEDs with our robots, and the and the charges by nature weighed a certain amount and. You know, if you only you got a perfectly capable robot, but it only weighs five pounds, and your charge is two and a half pounds, and and now you're railing out line behind it, and now it's got drag. You know, it's just a, it turns into a fiasco. So there's kind of like a fine line between uh, you know getting stuff as light as possible because they can do phenomenally light things, but we need to move heavy objects, so we need heavy robots. So you know, it's kind of that gotcha. dynamic where they they would play that dynamic. And it was fun. It was fun to be a part of that, by the way, because the the evolution of our robots. Under my very limited, um, short uh, service, uh, I watched them evolve a lot, and it was really cool to watch that happen. So, I got you, man. All right, hey, we're going to break again for a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to continue on with Brian and his journey to recovery. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken. With host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. My father was the, the best truck driver I've known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the stage with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. When did my not broken? We're uh, again. We're here with Brian Meyer. He's going to continue on with his story uh, about his recovery process, the ups and downs. And so, Brian, we left off with you know you getting out, you're driving now, and uh, uh, I, I'm sure um, you know if you want to talk about it, the emotional roller coaster of such a drastic change in your life, uh, such a devastating accident. Um, I mean, it has to take a toll on you. I know it, it does everybody. Um, uh, you know, if you'd like to talk about that, we sure would like to hear it. For sure, for sure. Uh, and again, uh, just kind of like redirect that angle, man. Uh, I was fortunate even before I was wounded to see a lot of guys go before me and how they had a positive attitude, you know. So a lot of the sting was taken out of 
I was expecting to die over there. I wasn't expecting just to be wounded. So when I didn't die, it was kind of like a, it was almost a win. So that's one of the things that really aided in my, my attitude. And uh, so I can't, I can't like, I don't want to, people are like, Brian, you're such a strong guy. And I was like, ah, I had a lot of, of really positive role models and, and mentors as well as like guardrails that I could bounce off of. You know what I'm saying? So it really set me up for success in a lot of ways. Now, where I really get sideways, um, and, I, and I, I've never been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. Everybody's always like, oh, you got a post-traumatic stress. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not trying to be like some super tough, like, oh, whatever, you know. Just I'm cool. I've submitted to all of these tests and things like that. And... They've what they've concluded is I've got really good coping skills. And once again, I attribute those, co those coping skills to the people that came before me because they, they kind of showed me. They showed me the way. And uh, so but where I start to come off the rails, and in, in I would say my recovery, I have super fast recovery in some capacities. And in some ways, people are like, Oof, man, and you're, you're nosing into the mountain on that one based on some decisions I'm making is uh, – Post-recovery, you know, man, for whatever reason, I can't maintain relationships very well. So I end up going through, you know, I'm at, I'm at now three divorces and I'm single, you know. Uh, really kind of have a struggle with, in bomb disposal, you live like every day is your last. Well, when every day is not going to be your last, because I don't feel like I'm retired and things like that, it's like, it's hard to, to dial back down the volume to like, oh, I guess today's going to be pretty quiet. You know what I mean? Whereas like every day in bomb disposal was like, well, I could die today. It's like, fuck, hey, today was a good day. I get to go to sleep. I get to wake up tomorrow and I get to do it over and hopefully it works out, you know. Um, but now it's like, oh, I'm probably going to die of old age. Now it's like, man, I really, really did not plan for retirement. You know what I mean? I was like, I was pretty sure I was gonna die. I like Lieutenant Dan in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. like I was no, I mean, die on the battlefield. Ah. You know? <laughs> I got you. I mean, so, it's it's you know, you you go that long on that that adrenaline and that that uh, you know that satisfaction of fulfilling your job that you've spent you know most of your adult life training for, and you actually get to go use it in a in, in an environment you know that benefits everybody in this country. And it happens to a lot of guys, man. They come home and, and they're used to living on a, that adrenaline. And, you know, now they got the, the operator syndrome and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's, it's a serious deal. And, and we, we have a lot of issues because of that. And it's, it's, it's something that gets looked over quite often. And, you know, the VA needs to buck up and they need to fix this shit and they need to start doing, doing what we need, need them to do. And, you know, that's another reason why I wanted to do this show is because, man, I just – people just don't understand like when you live on that kind of excitement and adrenaline and fear every day of your life and then it just stops all in one day it's that is the biggest adjustment anybody can ever ever imagine it's crazy yeah yeah you're losing your perfect purpose you know what i mean that was my perfect purpose and now it's like okay well now oh, that's no longer my purpose now now what's my purpose right you try to start feeling that with something else and it's perfectly you're not going to find something, you know. It's got to be a complete kind of uh, paradigm adjustment. I don't know. So. 
Gotcha. Hey, Brian, really quick, we have a we have a caller that called in that wants to say something to you. Do you mind uh, talking to him? No, not at all, not at all. Bring him up. All right. Uh, we'll just wait for them to add him in. All right. I uh, I feel myself unmuted. That's how I heard that. So my name is Joe, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, good. Joe. How are you doing? All right. Gunnery Sarge. I was, I'm going to tell you, um, I'll give you a hint about what era I was in. And I was telling the screener that I wanted to say hi to you. I wanted to give you my condolences for the injuries. And I wanted to tell you that you're a hero because people like you kept me from having to go and fight. Um, again, I'm going to give you a hint. Um, I never had to go in country. So that, does that take a, does that make a hint with you? <laughs> Does that hit register? No. I, I mean, mean, it was the Vietnam. It was the Vietnam era. Got it. it was a Vietnam okay. era. And I had I had a nice, cushy job in the Air Force. But nice. during that time, if you know the history of, um, of Vietnam, a lot, of, a lot of boys my age were going over to Vietnam and dying. 57,000 of us died over there. And a lot right. of people like yourself are dying over in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I want to say that to me personally, without people like you, even though I was in the Air Force, it was an unwritten rule that after two years, it was very possible that I could have been transferred over to Vietnam for some, for some reason. So guys like you kept guys like me from being in country, from being in combat, so I want to say thanks. I, again, a condolences for your sacrifice. And f- to me, you're my hero. So that's all I wanted to say, guys. Appreciate you. So you can put me back on mute. <laughs> well, hey, Joe. Joe, we really appreciate that. And uh, But never for one second, uh, you know, do we not thank you for your service. You know, less than, less than I mean, 1% of our, what is it, like 2 or 3% of the population ever serves in the military. And for anybody to stand up and do that is uh, honorable and is a hero in my, in my view, no matter what your job was. So we really appreciate your service. Thank you for calling in. Thanks for your words. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, too. Appreciate All right. it. All right, guys. Take care now. Yes, sir. Have a good night. All right, Brian. So we're, uh, when, when did it start really going, uh, going south for you as far as, like, uh, you know, depression and PTSD. I know you weren't labeled with it. I wasn't really labeled with it, but you have it, right? I mean, if, you, if you've done and seen the things that we've done and seen, I mean, it's inevitable. It's going to affect you in some way. Man, I, I like to try to think that I don't have it, honestly. I definitely struggle with depression, but uh, I feel like, and honestly, with most people that have post-traumatic stress, and I, I listen to a lot of these people, and I mean, there are definitely exceptions, but a lot of the people that I meet with post-traumatic stress had post-traumatic stress before they joined the military. And then they got in the military, and all of a sudden now they've got an excuse to be an asshole, you know? So uh, I run into a lot of those guys. Honestly, like, we, we talked about the VA, um, and I, I'm a, I'm, I think the VA's junk, you know, but at the same time I'll also own the fact that the veterans don't make it very easy on the VA. You know, we make – you know, we're horrible at personal management. Let's all admit it. You know, we don't show up for appointments, you know, and that screws over our brothers that are trying to get seen for similar health care issues. So it's like there's definitely – it's a dynamic and uh, unique issue. And 
you know, I feel like the VA's got like a, you know, a big government kind of like perspective, like we'll medicate this away or, you know, we'll, you know, we'll medicate it away. It's pretty much their, their route. You know what I mean? Um, but, but there's other, you know, like I said, we talked about when we warrior outdoors, you know, there's definitely better ways to take care of uh, whatever issues you have. Um, but so my, my issues, like I said, mostly, uh, Man, it's like a depression, um, but it's kind of it's kind of mild. I've never I've never been suicidal, um, which a lot of guys I know struggle with suicide. And uh, I, I think people are like, oh, military people have an issue with suicide. And I was like, well, you want us a little bit suicidal because, you know, I mean, we're going to be fighting in a war, and it's just like very much could be, you know, the last thing we do. So if you're not just a touch suicidal, you're not going to be a good you're not going to be a good war fighter. You're not going to be a good helicopter pilot, you know. Um, obviously you don't want to die, but still it's like, you obviously understand it's a possibility. So, you know, um, I, I completely get the suicide thing. Um, people lose their purpose. Um, but that's not this guy. Uh, I look at it like the people in Afghanistan and Iraq that were trying to kill me would would kill themselves to kill me. And now I've got an obligation to die of old age because every day that I live, I stand in opposition to what those guys, uh, those guys hate, you know, they hate that I, that I'm free and they hate that I walk around with impunity and I have amazing prosthetics and, you know, I mean, you can have depression. I tell you what, it could be a really crappy day. Uh, but guess what? You're, you're not in Afghanistan and, uh, you're not in Iraq and, uh, you live in one of, you know, the most prosperous times in human history. I don't care what the media tells you. Uh, and I mean, uh, it's just when you really when you really zoom out uh, of you know your situation, uh, it's pretty stinking sweet. You know what I mean? And that's coming from a guy who's missing you know from triple cripple. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I mean, you know, people, that, that was people a very think, very interesting way you put it. I mean that's uh, you know I I mean I have my own purpose and I and I I you know my my philosophy is is if if I lay there and I'm depressed and I'm not making the best of my life, there's 38 of my very closest best friend brothers that would give anything to be where I'm at because they didn't get to make it through. They're all dead. Um, But I've never heard it put like you just put it. And that's, that's a, that's a very interesting perspective. And, and uh, you know, that's, you know, but that's the thing, you know, everybody's different. Everybody finds their purpose. Everybody finds their motivation. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's a great, and that's why this podcast is so great because you know, guys like you get on here and you just put something in perspective for me. I mean, I, I never heard it like that. And that's, that's what makes this kind of thing so important, these stories to get told and for us to get on here and talk about the VA of what we can do to make it better. It's not just to talk about the VA and bash them. It's just we, we want it to get better. And so we want to we want to figure out how, what we can do to help it and to make that make it get better. Um, that's the way right. I look at it. I, there's, you can always make things better. You can always make things better, and if you're not if you're not trying, then you're not doing anybody any good. So, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. I, it was just interesting that you said no, that. It was an interesting perspective. But uh, yeah, so yeah, sure. um, so we'll. I, I want to save the next segment for uh, for the, like the the depression and kind of how you overcame that. So, um, but for this one, you know, I, I think what was what do you think your biggest um, uh, obstacle was, um, you know, t- post, post recovery. 
I, I mean, and that ties into the depression, like finding his purpose again. You know what I mean? Like I had perfect purpose at the bomb tech, and now it's like, now what do I do? You know what I mean? And it's not like I'm the old yeah. guy. And like I said, I'm in good shape. I'm not on any medication, you know, and it's like I've got a long life ahead of me. In the last 10 years, like, I don't think I've done anything, you know, that's worth, I mean, any kind of, I mean, I haven't done anything, you know, and that gets uh, that gets heavy, you know, where it's like you're wasting yeah. your time and, and you kind of get lost in this little, like, I don't know, you just get kind of a little bit lost in the same time, you know. Uh, oh, here it is. Man, purpose. Uh, I had a really rough time this past year. I've, I've been fired. I resigned basically to prevent being fired, and then I got fired again. Just trying to sort of re-enter the job market, um, and just really kind of like smashing my face off of off of those experiences um, with with the learning. You know, learning was occurring, but extremely painful, um, and. Uh, you know, just sort of like, okay, well now, you know, let's not do that again. You know, it's, that stove is hot. You know, we've touched it three times. So, um, yeah. You know, where where is my my undomesticated bomb tech? You know, person that I am. Uh, where can I where can I reapply this? Um, and, uh, and, and it may just be one of those things to where I have to accept the fact that I can't reapply it, and uh, you know I just got to go, I just got to go stock some shelves somewhere. You know. So. Gotcha. All right. Hey, we're going to take another quick break here. A word from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to hear this. Uh, this. Uh, I mean, there's so much more to Brian's story, but you know we only have an hour, so we're just going to kind of fast forward to uh, to some some things that I think that will help people. So we'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. 
888-346-4667. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, we're going to get right into this because we kind of went a little bit long on the last one. So, uh, Brian, let's let's talk about uh, you, your depression and finding your purpose again. Yeah, man, that's kind of where I'm at today. Uh, so, you know, uh, after COVID hit, I was in school. I got back out of school because really I didn't want to deal with uh, the uh, distance learning, just not something that's conducive to my focus. Like, I just can't do it. Like, I probably can do it. I just won't do it, I guess is the right way to say it. So I like going to class. I like I having to sit in front of a, you know, a person and whatnot and, you know, when that was taken away, I was like, oof, my grades are going to start to suffer. And uh, so now that school is pretty much back on here, so I tried that stuff out in California, um, with a couple of those companies, um, and really kind of, like, once again, not working out. So I moved back to Niceville, Florida, where, once again, I will um, go back to school, basically. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at now. And then... Uh, you know, hunting's my church, so uh, you get uh, opportunities through a variety of different organizations uh, to go hunting, and, uh, you know, it's like uh, it kind of works out every time, uh, you know, get a little bit too much inside my head or whatever, you know, hunting trip shows up, and it's a great it's a great outlet, so um, well, that's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that's in, it's important, you know, everybody has to find their their healing process. And, you know, for yours and I's are, are very similar as to, you know, I love being outdoors. I love pushing myself. I, I love hunting. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm a big conservationist and I always have been my entire life. And, and it's so therapeutic just to get out there and breathe that fresh air and experience nature and sleep under the stars and the Northern lights. And, you know, it's just something you can't explain. It just kind of sits everything, it puts everything into perspective. You know, it, it makes it, it makes you look back at everything that you've been through and everything that you did and signed up for, and it makes it worth it. And it's just, uh, it's such a therapeutic thing, like you said, and, and I'm so glad that you found that because, you know, a lot of guys don't get to find it um, and they don't, but, you know, it's not from, a lot of guys don't look for it. You know, they just kind of want to, they want to sit there and sulk and give up. And I, I can't commend you enough uh for everything that you've been through. Um, I, there's so much more that you've been through that, that we didn't talk about here. And uh, we could do a whole nother episode, I know. And But I, I'm telling you, dude, I respect the hell out of you. And, and I'm proud of you. And I, I, I know you're going to keep killing it. And you're going you're gonna to overcome everything. And, I, uh, you know, I'm honored to be your friend. Word, man. Likewise. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. You know, uh, I really thank you for taking your time uh, to do this tonight. I, I hopefully uh, you touched a lot of people, and I think I think we need to work up another show uh, and get a, like you and Matt and or get a couple of us on here and, and talk about some of these things that uh, you know that that bring us together and and uh, talk about some of the great nonprofits and how to how to do your research on nonprofits because just as many good ones there there's that many or more bad ones, and so. Um, I just don't, I don't like seeing people getting taken advantage of, but, um, yeah, man, uh, thanks for coming on, dude. That was, uh, I really appreciate it. Work, man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks again. All right, brother. And for all the listeners, I just, I want to end this podcast tonight. Um, you know, if you've listened to my show, shows or if you've went back and listened to the shows again, there is a common 
message. You know, all these guys and gals give so much. And the giving doesn't stop when they get hurt. It keeps, it actually increases. People give back, you know, Brian's a pretty humble guy. I've been on some trips with some nonprofits, a volunteer in my time. And Brian does that too. Uh, He's a mentor for a lot of, a lot of guys that are in in very dark places and he helps them out of it. I've seen it. And, uh, you know, it's so inspiring to see these guys continue on um, fighting the good fight. And, um, that's what makes our country so great. But um, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Joe for calling in. We really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next Monday night. We're out. Wounded, but not broken. With host Patrick Scroggin. As a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot deployed in Iraq, Patrick faced a devastating crash, which resulted in him dying losing a leg and a slew of broken bones. Patrick's story of rehabilitation has helped others to overcome their own obstacles. Each week, Patrick recounts stories of inspiration and interviews guests who have overcome remarkable obstacles. This is Wounded But Not Broken with your host, Patrick Scroggin. Looking for semi-drivers nationwide? GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com.